welcome to another edition of Unplug It. It's been a little while. Obviously, our last episode was in the lead-up to the Sydney game. There will be a season review coming shortly. There's obviously quite a bit to dissect around St Kilda's year, and we wanted to make sure we had the time to do that justice. So in the meantime, that we are going to have a look at the trade period, though. Uh, that's uh, you know upon us already. Obviously, they, they've already started all of those discussions. There's been free agency movements. One of our initial targets, which has been the subject of significant debate in Jordan Dugowie, is, is sealed away at Collingwood. So that one's off the agenda, um, which has divided opinion amongst St Kilda fans for, for a number of reasons. And we know that's a, a complex conversation. Um, the future of several St Kilda players, obviously, worth having a chat about as well. Brad Hill, Hunter Clark, um, you almost shudder having to say that in a conversation. Uh, ben Long... Um, and various others as well. But uh, I guess you, you look at the, the health of your list coming in as well. And, and Nick, as I, as I bring you in, um, I kind of look at it as um, had our season have been the other way around, views would have been very different. Had we had gone three and eight and come home eight and three, views would obviously be very different than starting eight and three and coming home three and eight. Absolutely. And, and apologies for the shit-ass nature of my voice. But... Um... Yeah, look, you're right. It's spot on, and and so much of this comes down to narrative and and how the season pans out over over the journey, and that's why you know you have these discussions at the end of the year and and not you know at halfway. But um, obviously, we started the year off with a bang, and and we were all kind of we were laughing at the time, thinking how good's this, and um, you know, I guess we got we got found out, and and I think that it what what we saw in the second half of the year was just that we have significant holes. Like we've got some talent. There's no doubt that there's talent on this on this list. There's talent in this footy club, but there are some significant holes. And I think that we've seen some retirements and and that sort of stuff over the last few weeks that um, potentially make some of those holes even more significant. And you know what we do over the next two weeks in in free agency and trade period, and then leading into the draft is going to be really significant for our next three to four to five to ten years, really. Definitely. And, and hey, how do you sort of look at it? We know there's been some retirements and some changes. And I would imagine that expectation on us, regardless of what happens in the trade period, is probably going to be fairly low externally. Um, how do you sort of see it? Um, they're probably going to be going in almost how we are worthy this year, minus the players that we're losing. It, it doesn't feel like there's going to be a lot happening. So it, it's there could be a chance we might get a couple more draft picks or something through the draft and or through the trade period into the draft and hopefully we might be able to pick out a couple more another Windhager and another um another player that we can bring in and play early on and get a lot of games into them and, and, and build them up with a the that sort of youngish kind of core we've got currently. Um if we're able to find those sort of players, you sort of think, well, okay, they've most of this group's got that one year, two year, three year sort of thing gelled in together. We may be able to, I guess, surprise a few. Like what we, I guess we probably did surprise people going eight three to start the year, um, and then it was sort of a bit like, yeah, well, that's what everyone expected us to be mid table come the end of the season. So, it, it, if it can come down to the point of us getting those sort of players again that we can just bring straight through, get get the games into them, but the more of them we have, then we can spread that load a little bit more and hopefully finish the season stronger. 
And that and that's and that's what I think we fell down a bit. And you look at the we lose a few players, and then we were relying on those young kids in their first year to a mm. certain extent. So it was just a a case of yeah, we sort of just ran out of legs and. Yeah, it'd be nice to have just a couple more, just to give us that little bit more of a youthful injection, I guess. Do you yeah, feel what like, it means? Yeah, go on, Parker. Do you do you feel like do you feel like we got found out in the second half of the year? I mean, we spoke a number of times about how the the fixture was always going to get tougher. The schedule was always going to get tougher in the second half of the year. Do you feel like we got found out in that regard, and that we just weren't as good as maybe we seemed in the first half, based on strength of schedule, and and that's just, we had a lot of luck as well in the first half. Uh, we we played pretty good footy, don't get me wrong, but like, do you do you think that? And we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit more mm-hmm. in our, in our proper season review. But do you think that because the the schedule got harder, that some of those holes that we we're, we're going to talk about tonight were, were magnified even more? Probably. I mean, we it's a tricky one. We and as you say, we'll, we'll analyse that. And a lot of people have asked about, you know talking about what went wrong and best wins and worst losses and all of that sort of stuff. Those questions are probably pretty easy, but we'll, um, <laughs> we'll obviously do a little bit of that in the, in the season review. But um, looking at it, I guess, from a, a more broad sense, I think we had a lot of momentum at the start of the year and our confidence was up and then we lost confidence at a bad time, obviously with that loss to Essendon coming out of a bye with a couple of injuries to players that, their value to our side was probably underrated and whether we didn't have the leadership or we didn't have the depth to dig ourselves out of that we just couldn't get out of that hole Uh, we had that little mini revival against Carlton and then played well for half a game against Fremantle but it was just all too easy unfortunately for us to be knocked off that line Um, and that's that's where they've got to get better. We It felt like um, it was too easy for teams to then pick us apart and we just didn't have the answers that we should have had. So uh, we, we really lost our way in that Essendon game and, and just never recovered from that. And, and look, that's not good enough. You need to be able to dig yourself out of those situations. But it felt like that was the turning point where we lost the advantage. We are probably a game or so ahead of teams like Richmond, the Bulldogs, Carlton, and looked like we... If we just held our line, we'd, we'd finish ahead of them, but that, that threw everything off its axis and we just never recovered. It's a really interesting one. Like, you, you look at, at the way teams are built, and, and I think we're going to talk about, you know, the state of our list and, and that sort of thing, but you look at teams that are built really well, and, and you only have to look at the, the grand finalists from last weekend to mm. look at two clubs that have built their squads and their rosters in a completely different way, but in a way that suits the way that they want to play football, in the way that suits their their ethos, their values, whatever you want to call it, the way that they play football, and it works for them. And so I think a lot of this discussion is you're trying to work out who are we as a football club and what do we stand for and what do we want to be doing? Like, are we a, are we a Sydney? Do we go to the draft? Do we build through the academy and our own kids and build up and, and that sort of thing? Or can we be... Like a Geelong, and I think over the you know, over the journey, we've proven that we can't be like Geelong. But you know, where you you are constantly topping up, bringing in quality players, and having that buy-in from the entire squad, that you're you're on the right track. It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down in that final or penultimate round or whatever, but you're on the right track. You believe in yourself. You've got the skill. You've got the talent. You've got the game plan to to win a flag, um, and you bring in players for certain. Uh, skill sets or tools or whatever, 
Whereas Sydney, you know, kind of built very differently. They just went best available. They've brought in kids that can do incredible things. And right at the last minute, they've been able to find guys like, you know, like a Tom Papley or, uh, you know, Paddy McCartan, essentially, um, and been able to do amazing things because of the the values of their squad, which is that complete buy-in as well, you know. And, and they are, you know, common occurrences across the, the two grand final teams is that complete buy-in to what we're trying to do. And I think we didn't see that in the second half of this year. Now the common occurrence for Sydney is they're able to pick up these academy players for hmm. nothing. Mm. And then we get someone coming along, we can't even touch them. It's, it's, it's <laughs> just just how it works for us, it seems. So it's, we, we, did okay. it's, we did okay last year out of the academy. I mean, yeah, we were able to get all these guys last year. First, so, first yeah. time ever. <laughs> still still yeah. waiting on... Father's sons, we're still waiting on just <laughs> Geelong built themselves on the father's son, Sydney built themselves on an academy, and we're sort of going, Well, can we just have one or the other? It would be nice to nice to get it the easy ride in at least one of them. So it would it's interesting um, though with Geelong, like Geelong always consider themselves to be a premiership contender and they try to win the flag every year. Now that might sound obvious, but not everyone does. Teams look at where they're at with their list and think, I oh, will build towards a you know a five year plan or a three year plan or a seven year plan and do this but because only, that'll set us up for that. Geelong just try to win one, every year. Only one yeah. team can win the flag every year. And the so, reality is that yes, it's whatever it is, two thousand and seven mm-hmm. what two thousand five, whatever it is, Geelong have missed the finals mm. once. Like, mm-hmm. yes, their goal is win and the flag. And, and, yeah. and they haven't they haven't won the flag every year, but they've won four. They've won four and in 20. six grand finals and like 10 That's top right. four. So, That's right. Yeah. And so you can you can laugh at them all you want for falling in a, at a prelim level or losing a grand final or whatever. But the reality is you compare to what we've done, then like it's it's apples and oranges. Um, and especially we, we came through at the same time as they did. And that's it's right. not a Geelong love in because, I mean, look, credit to them. You, you Sometimes you have to take your hat off. They're just a well-run club. It's, we're envious of that success. You just want to be in that position. Um, we came through at the same time as they did. We peaked at the same time as they did and played in the 09 grand final. And the trajectory of the two sides since has been chalk and cheese. We, we mm. Apart from the following year, we haven't looked like it since. Um, and they just stayed at that level. So... They've made decisions different to the decisions we've made. We've failed. They've succeeded. And that's the reality. And and that's the direct comparison that you can make. For those older than us, you go back to St Kilda Hawthorne 1971, the aftermath of that grand final was the same thing. The decisions they made and the decisions we made were very, very different. Um, And now we've got to I think back to those, you know, those those 0203 clashes, St Kilda Geelong with the the young crew coming through. And that the talk about this is the great new rivalry of the AFL and you know, how good is St Kilda going to be, how good is Geelong going to be, etc. And it, I mean, it's so one side. Looking was, back on it now, it, yeah. it felt very close yeah. for such a long period of time. But looking back on it now, it's so one sided. Yeah, well, it was so the one-sided. 04 Wizard Cup that was where it really mm. took off. Um, we played them in that grand final and then the round one as well so it was a yeah that was sort of the peak where it was but i was going to say the the whole thing of making decisions i think i think darren had a bit of a sliding doors moment growing up i think you it was, was there a geelong possibility there for yourself it was, was yeah it was. I, um when i was very young and first appreciated football my first memory of any game was was actually the, the 92 grand final um which is geelong west coast and um geelong lost but 
Um, I think I barracked for Geelong for a very brief period of time just to rebel against everyone's like, no, barrack for the Saints. And I'm like, no, I'll do what I want. <laughs> and uh, decided I'd barrack for Geelong for a little while. And it uh, didn't last very long. Um, was always going to go to St Kilda. It actually happened naturally. Uh, Geelong played St Kilda one day and beat St Kilda. And um, I was disappointed without even planning to be. Like, I actually went along intending to barrack for Geelong. Geelong won the game and it actually hurt me. And I'm kind of like, oh, well, it's in my blood. I can't do anything about it. So, <laughs> so I do often wonder. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, Darren. What, what's your what's your take on the state of our list as it stands right now? And we, we've had a number of delisting, or well, one delisting, uh, yeah. a number of retirements over the course of the year. Uh, you know, young players left the club during the year. A number of older players have moved on. Uh, we've got potentially. Uh, yeah, someone in, in Jack Bytel who is not re-signed. We've just today mm. or yesterday re-signed a bunch of uh, of players as well. Jack Bytel was not amongst that group. Uh, we've got rumours of another bunch of players, senior players, that are potentially moving on. What What is your take on the state of, of our list at the moment? Yeah, I mean, if we compare it to, to last year, obviously, so Ryder goes, um, big loss, but Marshall, if he stands up, covers that. Hanabry again played well the times he was picked, but just doesn't play enough. You can understand the club making that decision. Do we miss him? Yes and no. Yes, because he's good, but no, because we didn't see him, so you can't miss what you didn't have. Um, <laughs> ben Long, again, yes and no. He was a bit part player. Um, came good towards the end of the year, so he was very good in the back end. When our side was struggling, he was standing up. Um our list on doesn't appear to be enormously worse than it was last year, as much as we might think it is. But there were obviously holes in it last year. We were hurt by certain kids not kicking on, Vitel, Connolly, um, Burns, those sorts of players that didn't come on to the level that we would have liked. Even Highmore, obviously, played some good footy in the VFL, but didn't get enough mm -hmm. out of him. Sharman. Sharman, um, certainly, a, a classic example of that. So, um, yeah, that, that was... And, and those players can still kick on, but if they don't, then we're not going to go forward. It's that simple. And we need to make sure that Owens and Windhager don't have the same thing happen to them. I mean, mm. Max King's a, a star. We know that he's, he frustrates, but he's kicked 50 as a, still a, a young player. Um, our list is okay, but I'm sick of being okay, basically. Mm. <laughs> That's pretty H much where it's at. So. H, I'm sure we'll talk about some of those players specifically, yeah. but H, your, your take on the list... At the moment, um, well, as I was saying, it doesn't seem to be a lot different. I mean, you look at who's gone. Geary's gone; he didn't play. Hanbury's gone; he only played two minutes at the end of the season. Joyce played two games as well. I think. I think he played the two games against Fremantle. Um, yeah. Kent didn't play all year. Yeah, the biggest thing that hurts is losing Ryder currently. Mm -hmm. um, then you go to who looks like going long. I think McKenzie covers him. That, that that there's your there's your covers coverage straight away. We're 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 fine in that situation there. I mean, yeah, Long Longy came on quite well in a number of games this season, but I don't remember many games where I sort of gone, oh, Long and McKenzie were very good. So it's a there was a bit of all right. We know McKenzie's come on in leaps and bounds this season. He he he's got that role. He will be able to fill that position. There, there's no. Um, no issue with that there. So, uh, 
yes, Long's a big loss, but I think I think we'll be right there. Um, whether we end up getting Bows back for him, who knows? So, in now that the goey's out of the question, is that possibly going to happen? Because I think that's where we were probably looking, going well. If we get to go, mm. we can't afford those. But now it might shift a little bit, and we go, well, okay, we can bring him in. And then we're right. It does seem a logical trade yeah. that would allow us to get McKenzie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the fact that he's the only player I think at the moment who's requested to go to the Gold Coast, we mm, I think basically so, yeah. should be yep. should be in the box seat. Um, yeah. So it's just a matter of whether, yeah, talking to him and saying no. Yeah, this is the straight up trade. Unless the third team comes in somewhere, then yeah, there's a good chance that that's that would happen. So, um, because yeah, it becomes long for Bose and McKenzie, which you're like, okay, sweet. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. That's, and I mean, I think I think Gold Coast ultimately would want something back, whether it's a future second rounder or third round or mm. whatever it is. And, yeah. and that's someone okay, suggested twenty seven as well. So yeah, I'd take you'd yeah. cop that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, and you and you do that. I think, like Long's requested to leave, so he's gone essentially, and and he's going to go. Mm. Um, Bose can actually be a, a really useful player as well. I think I know mm. that we've got we do have some similar players. Yeah. We've got a we've got yeah. a lot of those kind of you know, kind of taller halfback flankers, guys that can run. But Bose can move into the middle, which is something that guys like Caulfield, Highmore, etc., haven't shown that they can actually do. Bose can move into the middle, and when he was playing. In 2021, he played a number of games in the middle, averaging 30 touches a game. None of our halfback flankers have shown that they can do that. Even Hunter Clark, to some extent, hasn't shown that he can do that. Um, Jack Bowes is a quality player and can be valuable outside of being a pure salary dump. Um, and I, I you know, Rui was on um, one of the talk shows earlier in the week or last week saying it's illogical that St Kilda wouldn't look at this and take this seriously. And I 100% agree with him. It is the perfect move for us to do, A, because we want pick seven. I mean, we we are crying out for young talent, mm. elite talent, high-quality kids, all that sort of stuff. But B, because Jack Bowes can actually be really useful for us mm -hmm. and can be valuable, and, like we've seen with a guy like Mason Wood. And as he said, Drew, I mean, we're paying guys like Hanabry a squillion dollars to not play. So yep. You shouldn't be too concerned with – I mean, no, Bowes is not as good as Hanabry, but you've – at least he'll play. So, I mean, and, yeah, I mean, you don't have to spend that money on Dugowie. Even if you wanted to renegotiate a contract with him and say, mate, for two years you're on 825, how about we pay you 600 for three, something Correct. like that, and give you another year on your contract, trim a bit of money off it, but extend it out, give you some security, something like that. Um, it does appear less likely now that we'll lose Clark and Hill. I mm. don't know whether mm. the... Situation around Clarkson and the uncertainty at North Melbourne has played a part in that, but um, it it's felt like pure madness. It looks like Brad Hill was obviously a little shooty about where he was getting played, but the message Brad is get a kick. Um, and Hunter Clark, um, I mean, it'd be madness. He's not an injury prone player. He's an unlucky no. player. There's a big difference between the two, and uh, they've got to give him a chance to to at least get a run at it. Now I. Never really read much into that Clark one. I was sort of thinking, interesting, and that's just the name that's been ripped mm. out by a, a journalist somewhere by the feel of it. it it's almost they, they've had a little whisper or, or heard someone saying, <laughs> "Oh, I like Clark from St Kilda." There, there was nothing like official or anything. The club going, "Oh, we're going to go out to get him." 
It was just like, oh, someone's saying, oh, we actually like him. So it, it's, it seems to be sometimes these stories come from a throwaway comment at times. Like, um, it, it does, I, that, I guess. That does happen. That does happen. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wonder. And, and, and Darren, I mean, you probably, you probably know probably better than all of us about how some of this stuff works. But I, I felt like the Clark stuff, there, there was a little bit in it. It doesn't mean that it was 100% serious or going to happen or even likely to happen. But I felt like there was something, at least from Hunter Clark's camp, that if the deal was right, if the offer was there, then there's some interest in potentially looking at that type of option. It doesn't mean that he wants to leave. He hasn't requested to leave. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're shopping him around. But potentially if the offer was there, if the option was there, he'd be open to looking at it. And I think from the club side that if the, op if the offer was good enough, then the club would have to look at it as well. And from a pure business perspective, you have to look at those things when they come in as a business decision. And Hunter Clark, no one wants to lose Hunter Clark. He's a, a quality kid. He's a quality player. We haven't seen the best of him yet. We've, we've invested a lot into him, um, both from a, a draft perspective, you know, using an early draft pick to bring him in, but also, you know, developing him and then spending essentially two years you're bringing him back from injury um, and rehabilitating and all that sort of stuff that, you know, it would have to be a bloody good offer for us to lose Hunter Clark, for us to, to, to be tempted to trade Hunter Clark, uh, unless obviously he requested. But I think there was, I think there was potentially some mutual interest in exploring options should those options be available. And I think potentially the Clarks and stuff with North for Hunter Clark potentially has mm -hmm. kind of knocked that on the head. I think the Brad Hill stuff also potentially is probably less likely now than it was two weeks ago. But I, th I think reading between the lines that Brad Hill and Alistair Clarkson have a pretty good relationship. So I'm not sure how much of that specific conversation has had, you know, changing that perspective, but it may be the, the perspective that maybe Alistair Clarkson isn't going to be at North. That's maybe potentially changed Hill's mind as opposed to it's Alistair Clarkson and the stuff that's happened and has come out in the media. Yeah, or he'd have to sign at North without knowing. I mean, that mm. might not be resolved till January and he'd have uh, yeah, to sign at least. now or, or in November or something. So uh, obviously it doesn't seem to be mattering too much with Brisbane. They've obviously Dunkley and, and Gunston and all of that sort of stuff. But um, for, for whatever reason, I think, at Hawthorne, especially, there's that, that degree of uncertainty because, I mean, obviously the bigger picture, sorry, at North Melbourne, rather, mm. uh, you know, they're, they're in a different list position than where Brisbane are at um, sort of going forward. But as a, um, as so a that, question, yeah. though, like mm. for, for someone like Brad Hill, and, and Brad Hill's on a, a decent wicket, he's on a good salary, uh, mm. he's earning a lot, he takes up a chunk of the salary cap. Hunter Clark's a bit different, much younger mm. player, um, less salary, etc. But what for you guys as fans, I guess, what would be an acceptable deal if these things were to eventuate? Whatever. What, what's an acceptable type of deal for Brad Hill, knowing the salary issues and whatever, and then Hunter Clark, knowing that we want to keep him. Our best option would be that we don't be left with any of his salary. That that mm. that would be the first step. If that means getting. A, a round later pick, then take it. 
Um, I'd rather not be paying him at all. And, yeah, just just having, I guess, I mean, what's it going to be? 18, back, 18 picks back from what the, we might have got previously. So, um, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, it has to be a pretty fair package if, I mean, we even had a shot at their first pick. That, that'd have to be a fair... That'd be Hill and Clark and, I don't know, the, the team bus going down there for it, for the pick, first pick. So um, we know they need, I don't know, maybe a few better facilities as well. But, yeah, it's a it, it's hard to place where you would actually place him as a raw sort of pick. I mean, their second-round pick is very early. So you'd probably go, okay, well, it probably slips to their third round pick, so yeah, that's probably where probably where I'd be at place him at the moment. Well, so. Looking at Clark around that, if it was to happen, which I think is unlikely, is the future second they get as their compo package yep. for the um for being shit, basically. Um so <laughs> so the thing that you'd get for for that and and yeah, Brad Hill, harder one. I is right, depends how much of our salary or how much of his salary we did pay, but I guess it looks unlikely. which Probably going to be fairly quiet, I think, on our front outside of that. Obviously, Hardigan has been mentioned a little bit as reinforcements. St Kilda did speak the other day about wanting some forward line support for Max as to where they get that from. Uh, support for Max and Rowan Marshall, so where they get that from remains to be seen. Obviously, Campbell gets a year extension. Max Heath will get another year in the system. He certainly uh, flattened off a bit late last year, which kids can do, so... Hopefully he comes on. Just before we wrap up, Andrew uh, Netherway off um, Facebook asking the question about whether we'd swoop in on Blake Akers and bring him back. Um, not the first time that would have happened. Obviously, we, there have been plenty of players that started at a club, left and came back, but um, hadn't actually considered that as a possibility. But, um, yeah, I, I doubt it. I think he's a fairly long way down the path to Carlton. But um, yep. it's not the stupidest idea I've ever heard, but um, I doubt it. It, it, yeah, oh, you're right. It's not the stupidest idea, yeah. but that mm. that that deal's essentially done. Yeah. He's going to Carlton, and, and and he's the perfect player for Carlton. Then they're crying out for a wingman, uh, a tall winger who can run, who can kick, who can who can mark the ball and 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 move it and be that kind of connecting player between defence and attack. Um, I mean, yes, he would be good for us too, uh, but I think the reality is that. You know, we disposed of him rather than the other way around. He didn't want to leave us when when he left, uh, and we pushed him out the door. We, I think, with a year to go on a contract as well. Um, he didn't want to leave. We made him leave. I don't think there's any chance that he he would come back to us. And yeah. that deal with Carlton, I think, has been done for a number of weeks. Quite a lot. Yeah, it's one of those ones that if it gets talked before the season ends, it generally happens. It's because I was talking about that with what a couple of weeks ago in the season that saying hey, he's out of there, probably go mm. and Carlton looks likely. So they're generally the ones that get done. Um, so I think I think it's only that he hasn't done, he hasn't, he's probably on holidays and just hasn't signed the, signed the contract. So once he's once he's back and gets it done, it's, it'll probably be announced pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, it's only there's any. I don't think there'd be any sort of want for him to come back um, in, from his side of, as you're saying. Um, so it's, is the question would be, the, the position would probably need to be there as well. I mean, 
was would he be coming back playing sort of the same role that we had him playing before he left, or would we have mm. a new position for him? Or has mm. Fremantle unlocked something that we didn't know about? So it's a yeah, it'd be an interesting one to see. Um, if we look at, I guess, any like players to him, but yeah, I don't think he's going to be the, the actual move one. To Frio mm. was. I mean, Freo was almost the perfect team for him. They they needed a wingman. They've got a big ground. They've got mm. wide open space. You know, he doesn't have to be accountable defensively too often, um, and he can essentially go out and do what he pleases. And he's a very talented player, so that that kind of helps. But um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different with us. I'm not sure he'd be quite the same player at Carlton. Although the way they play football kind of suits the way that he plays football as well, and I, th- I think that he'd be pretty good at Carlton. Um, are there any other guys, I guess, either being spoken about or not really spoken about that, you know, we, we've got some holes, as we know, that, that you'd like us to maybe have a little play at? Yeah, it's I, interesting. I, I, wouldn't be, yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't be too down on having a look at, like, the Brown brothers. They've, they've basically been pushed out of a team because the team's too good. They're, they're, that's, that's their situation. Um, Collingwood haven't played the whole oh they're Gavin Brown's kids we can't delist them so they've been brutal and they've kicked them out and oh, they're reasonable players they are reasonable players so it's they're sort of players that I'd be like I would be very interested in having a look at so um, yeah, and there's another one um, I'm trying to remember which, which uh, Narkle, but I think he's probably going to be going to West mm. Australia. I, I think mm. it'd be nice to pick up a a forward like that and have it do it get do it to Geelong, how like they did to Stengel to Adelaide. Just just mm. pull one out and have an absolute game winner. But yeah, I, I get the feeling he's probably going over to Western Australia after this. Yeah, it looks like we've sort of planted our flag around the draft. We had a crack at Dugowie, um didn't work, which are probably unlikely. And then we, we obviously now move towards uh, stocking up with kids. I think we should make a play at that pick seven just to try mm. to get McKenzie. He'll probably go somewhere six to ten. We'll have pick ten by the time Ashcroft is bid on at one. Um uh, which will certainly happen. So hopefully we can um, you know, do something to snag him. I guess the other um, just as we wrap up, we'll talk about this more in the review, but the other changes, obviously Jeff Walsh to come on board as the, the head of footy, David Noble running the review, and obviously the Matt Finnis transition into Simon Lethlean. That's all stuff to obviously dedicate a bit more time to as we uh, as we work through, but, yeah, all of that happening and, and all pretty pretty exciting in a way. Obviously, Finnis, sad to see him go, did some good things, and um, obviously the developments of the ground, the AFLW program, the financial position of the club, all big ticks. Um, and then you look at uh, Noble, I think he's been very good in that role, obviously didn't work as a coach, but uh, has been good in that space. And Jeff Walsh has got a very good track record. So hopefully all of that points to good things. But um, yeah, I think it's all pointing to relatively quiet times. But, but yeah, pro- probably... We're all a bit uncertain as to where it sits. It's probably not as bad or even as good as perhaps we think. So mm. um, we'll wrap that all up once it's all said and done and we know what our list looks like. But um, uh, apologies for the rather lengthy hiatus. And, um, yeah, there'll be another episode dropping in the next couple of weeks. But thanks for tuning in. Mm.